Well, good morning, folks. Welcome. We're going to start out with I'll Fly Away. Here we go. Well, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. going to be reading from Revelation chapter 21 today and verses 15 through 27. Revelation chapter 21 verses 15 through 27. Then we'll have a word of prayer. If you don't have a Bible today, you, I think there are some right there in the chair rack in front of you someplace. Yeah. Are they there? Okay. Revelation chapter 21 verses 15 through 27. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof an hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third, a chalcedony. The fourth, an emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, sardius. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, a topaz. The tenth, a chrysoprasus. The eleventh, a jacinth. The twelfth, an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they, bring, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings and this promise about our eternal state that's here at the end of the Bible. We ask you, Lord, now to be with this as we're not there yet. And we live in a world that's fallen and broken. And there are many needs amongst your children. 
We lift up to you, Sally. Just work in her life, Father, that these um, uh, tests and the treatments and the things that she has would slow this cancer and that you would bless her each day. Be with Dave. Give him strength also as he helps. Father, we pray for the many sick with COVID. We ask you, Lord, to help them through their time of trial, sometimes worse than others. And, Lord, we know it is, it is something that they need you in every case. Father, we pray, Father, that you would be with Ray Toussaint, his need for a, a kidney. Be with Ray Klein as he's been sick. We ask you, Father, to be with Joanne, her constant and chronic pain. Lord, that you would help those that are helping her. And those that hurt in their hearts, Linda, Sharon, Bonnie, Elizabeth, others that have lost recently loved ones. We ask you, Lord, to help and comfort them until, Father, they see them again with you. Lord, we pray that you just help them by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would be with, again, our country. We know, Father, we seem to face one crisis after another. And, Lord, the leaders need your guidance and direction, even if they don't ask for it, Father. We ask for it for them. That, Father, we might preserve the freedoms we have in this wonderful country. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's look first at our memory verse for the next lesson, which is uh, the last verse of the Bible. Revelation twenty-two twenty-one. Ready, begin. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Also work on that one. I think you can do it. All right, next week. Revelation twenty-two twenty-one. Passage to read for the next lesson is all of Revelation 22, the rest of the Bible. Now, the review is taken from last week's lesson on Revelation 21, 1 through 14. And we start with the word new. Uh, somebody asked me to remind you to resist the temptation, as Pastor was talking about in this first service. Resist the temptation to do the word search during the service. <laughs> See how you do. Okay, so new. Hey, when God says new, he means new, right? So if I get a new car, you know that even today can mean a different car than the one I had before, right? And we call it new. We've redefined the word new. In the, when, the, when there's a new heavens and a new earth, God means new. And it's never old. It never ages. The next day is just as new as it was the first time you see it. And the next day is just as new. So when he says new, he means new and it never decays. The second law of thermodynamics about how things degenerate and decay is not going to be in action during the eternal state. Right? Higher, what is it? In, uh, higher uh, uh, decay, lower energy, whatever those laws of thermodynamics have to do with, they aren't in action during the eternal state. So it really means new. And it's a new heaven and earth. I'm glad it's a new earth because this one has a record of all the death, all the destruction, all the judgment in stone. It's been written in stone. We talk about the Ten Commandments written in stone. There's also death written in stone. It's beneath our feet in the form of fossils. And also the layers of sediments and all those things that were laid down during the flood and record the judgment of the flood. All right, that's, that's not going to be there. You aren't going to dig fossils in the new heavens and the new earth and say, these are look at this. This is the record of sin here and judgment. No, it's a new heavens and a new earth 
and it won't have those former things. Uh, it says for the first one is passed from existence. All right, so, and then there's no sea. We talked about that. And Jerusalem is the new Jerusalem. Um, that uh, we'll talk about more in a moment. And it's described as a bride. Okay, so I can remember the day I got married. The focus was on the bride. All right? At first it was on me as I stood at the front here in my wonderful tux. But it, she stole all the attention soon. That door opened up, and she walked in with her stepdad, Charlie, walking her down the aisle, and uh, everybody turned, stood, and turned and faced her. That's, that's the way John sees the new Jerusalem, this new uh, and place we will inhabit in the eternal state. We're not going to go up to heaven somewhere and get a harp and sit on a cloud and sing or play our songs up some nebulous place out there in the universe. The, the new heavens and the new earth will be the place that believers inhabit for eternity in this new Jerusalem. All right, so that, uh, that as a bride adorned for her husband is a wonderful description. And, of course, God says he's going to tabernacle with people. This is going to be his dwelling place. I, again, I always pictured we're going to be here, God's going to be up in heaven, and we can, you know, do beam me up, Scotty, up to God and talk to him for a little while and come back to the new heavens and the new earth. When it makes it really clear, this is going to be his heaven. He's going to tabernacle here with men. I don't mean, you know, as he's here now. Where you know the Holy Spirit in me and Holy Spirit in you as a believer, Holy Spirit here. You can say God's here. Yeah, we know He's everywhere. But we're talking about His Shekinah glory presence will be here in the I mean here in the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. It makes it really clear. He'll dwell there. There'll be no more tears, no death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. The former things it says are passed away. Hey, you know, it's interesting. We talked about last week all the jobs that aren't going to be necessary in heaven. I know there are a lot of great uh, uh, positions you can take here on earth, and they're very necessary. Police, firemen, rescue personnel, of course, the, the doctors, the nurses, the locksmith, the, all kinds of people, judges and courts and criminal you know, uh, institutions. All those jobs are necessary here. I'm not saying there's, they're, they're wrong, but they aren't going to be in heaven. So you're going to have to be retrained. If you have some positions here, you're going to have to be retrained. If you're uh, 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 working a prison, you're a prison worker, you're going to get up there and say, hey, where are the prisons? Uh, you're going to have a new job now. You know, the, uh, the fact is, you can make a list of all the occupations, because I, I tried, and it just kept going and going, that we have here that won't be in heaven, or you won't say in the eternal state. Okay, so... Uh, then we saw about God's invitation. If you're thirsty, come drink. I'm thirsty. I get thirsty. And I don't mean just when I'm out mowing my lawn. I get thirsty. Just, just give me, uh, uh, take me away from the Bible for a little while. Take me away from fellowship for a little while. Take me away from those things. I get thirsty. And, I, and it's amazing, you go back to the Word of God, and you go back to fellowship and those things, how you, okay, this is what I needed. And that invitation's always there. The fountain of the water of life, take it freely. Overcoming, we say, is about believing. When you believe in Christ, you overcome in that sense. And then it talks about how those that, some things that won't be there in the eternal state, the fearful, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, 
And it says, you know, this, this city, this new Jerusalem we learned last week is, its light emanates from within. It is not lit from outside. It is lit from within. And because it's described as being transparent or translucent in many ways, instead of opaque walls and opaque streets and all this that we have around here, it's like there's a source that just fills it from the inside and fills the outside, and it goes around the whole new earth. Somehow, this light fills it all. I, I, uh, I, I, I start getting my imagination about this eternal state. And it gets exciting to think about it. Isn't it neat? Because we often think, you know, God talked about heaven, but he never really described what it's like. He's still not describing what, where, he, where he lives that much. We're talking about now where he's going to live, where he's going to be for eternity. Right here. All right. So uh, then we talked about how the walls have gates of the new Jerusalem and that they, are, they have names after the 12 tribes of Israel, and that the foundations of the city can be seen. There are 12 foundations, and each one's named after one of the apostles. There's a Matthew. Uh, there's a John foundation. There's a Peter. There's an Andrew. There's 12 foundations. And each one reminds us of one of the 12 apostles. Of course, we can get into a discussion. Is there Paul? foundation. That is separate, and I don't want to spend time on it. Let's go to Revelation 21, 15 through 27, where we just read. We'll pick it up there. I have meter sticks. I have yard sticks. I have foot rulers. I have centimeter rulers. I have tape measures. I have all kinds of things. Being a sixth grade teacher in math, we need those things. What I would really like to have is this measuring stick that's spoken of here. The measuring stick that's spoken of here that is given to an angel, not to John, but it's given to an angel to go and measure the dimensions and the new Jerusalem is made of gold. So if you want to get me anything for Christmas, the golden measuring stick. I don't know how long it was because I tell you what, there's a lot of distance that needs to be measured with this thing. But we aren't really told, I don't think, how long it is. Now, let's get to the sheet. Before we enter New Jerusalem proper, okay, so what you're reading for next week, before you get in there and actually see what's inside the city, we're still describing the outside of it. We're still giving the, the appearance of this New Jerusalem. And it is wild. It is. In, in our estimation, it is impossible. What you're going to see as far as the dimensions of the city in this present world would be impossible. But, of course, we're not talking about in this state. We're talking about the eternal state with a new heavens and a new earth. You've got to keep that in mind. Now, here's what we know about the city. We already know it's made without human hands or engineering. This is not something that you can get the plans for and build yourself. It was something that descends out of heaven. John makes a big case out of that. It is not something humans have built here. It is something that God has built in heaven and that it descends onto earth. Human engineering? No, it's God's engineering. Human hands? No, it's God who puts it together. Maybe that's what Jesus went, meant when he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe in me also. And then he talks about leaving them, leaving the disciples in the upper room there. He's talking to his disciples, John 14. He says, he says I go to prepare a place for you. And maybe that's what's being referred to when he talks about that. 
Hey, talk, think about this. What God did in six days when he made this creation. By the way, after the sixth day, it says he rested, and he rested the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. But we think of the seventh day as being, you know, Saturday, the day he rested. But he hasn't created like he did in those six days ever since. Now, I can say, I am a creation of God, but that's not technically true. I am a descendant of the original creation of God, Adam and Eve. I'm a descendant of them. But he did not create me like he created Adam and Eve. I'm made by natural processes that he created that day. So God's creative work, six days. Think of all that he did, the universe and all that he did, even though we're looking at the ruins of it. We're looking at the, like, like you go to Rome and you see the ruins of the Roman Empire. Wow, that's magnificent. But you know those are ruins. It must have been really nice when it was really there, you know, the, the original. Think about this. You look at God's creation. He did this in six days, and you're looking at the ruins of it. It must have been pretty nice when he finished after six days before it fell into the curse of sin. All I'm saying is how many days, count how many days it's been since Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. What if he used every day to create this new Jerusalem that we see here? It must be pretty nice. That's a lot of days of creation, right? And every day that goes by that he doesn't return. Maybe that's a little more. Now, Let's get back to this. We know that he made it ready and to be inhabited. What's that, the Lenar homes? You ever see the Lenar homes? What does their sign say? Lenar homes, what do they, they boast about? What's the saying? Anybody know the saying on it? Everything included. So you don't go into a Lenar home and, and you know, I guess they even include the roaches or something. I don't know what. Everything included. And I would say this new Jerusalem is not going to, you know, be something you got to bring your furniture and everything, get ready to move in. It is everything included. Prefabricated, right? It's all there. It all comes down. Now, it has foundations that remind us of the apostles. It has gates that remind us of the tribes of Israel. Folks, so when we say former things have passed away, it's talking about evil things. A lot of people think, well, okay, what about in heaven? Are we going to remember anything about here? Yeah, God's going to make sure you don't forget. You'll see the wounds in the, in the hands and the feet of Jesus in his side forever. When we say former things have passed away, obviously we're talking about the evil things because God does not want us to forget how we got there. He's not going to wipe every memory clear, and, and you won't remember anything about how grace brought you to heaven, how those wounds paid for your sin. That is not going to ever be wiped from our memories. We're going to remember the tribes of Israel, and I think that means the Old Testament. We're going to remember how God worked through that chosen people. We're going to remember that which represents the New Testament, the church, the apostles. We're going to remember them. It will be something that is always there. And I, I'm, I'm always amazed when I think about these foundations being visible. The foundation for where you are right now, we cover it with a rug and we make it look as beautiful as you can. In fact, if, we, if, we, if you saw this building resting on the foundations, you would think, well, that is really strange. We usually don't see foundations. Do we know they're there? Yes. But do we 
uh, emphasize them as far as their beauty. Hey, let's rip back the carpet and look at the carpet and look at the concrete here. Wouldn't that be beautiful? But you think about the 12 foundations of the New Jerusalem and God displays them. He says, I'm going to make these beautiful. And you will, I always imagine 12 steps going up to the, to the walls and the gates. And each one being these precious stones that are described here. Folks, this is, a, this is a chapter, I think it's okay to release your imagination. Because he gives enough details that I might be speculating this morning. And when you get there, you might say, hey, Tom, that was nothing like you said that day. Okay, well, I'm sure it'll be just as good. Or not a lot better than what I'm describing. But let your imagination roam this morning. There's some amazing things about this new Jerusalem, of course, that are impossible here. Let's go to Revelation 21, 15 through 21. It says, And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and a wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. What? That is about, different estimates, 1,500 miles. Now, this new Jerusalem, when you measure the dimension, and it appears that we're talking about a single wall, it's 1,000, just about, I'm going I'm to use that number, 1,500 miles long. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. So not only is it 1,005 miles long, it's 1,005 miles, it's a square on each side. But here's the thing that blows my mind. It's 1,500 miles tall. Now, when you do that, when you have all the dimensions being the same like that, it's called a cube. A perfect cube. 1,500 miles on every side Every dimension, three dimensions, 1,500. Okay, is anybody here a little astounded by that? I mean, if you have a city wall that reaches 1,500 miles, that's the distance from here to Quebec City. Pretty far, right? And I can, I can picture this. I mean, if you keep going out west, and they say it would cover just about all the area from the Pacific to the Mississippi. All that area we call the west. That's a pretty big city. Okay, well, hey, folks, all the Old and New Testament believers for all time have to inhabit it. Hey, that's, that's reasonable. But it's the part about it being 1,500 miles tall that makes me think, oh, well, okay, this is not right. This is not impossible. Here it's not possible. Do you know the shuttles and the, uh, well, they're, they're retired. But do you know the, the International Space Station? I guess it's about 300 miles up. Okay, this is five times taller. Five times taller than this International Space Station looking down on the Earth. It would go right into the walls. In fact, if you were at the top of this cube, you would look at, you know, uh, uh, over a thousand miles down on the International Space Station. So that is astounding. But it's interesting. It doesn't say this in the Bible. I am going to speculate. But do you know it's interesting that if you hold your place here, In Exodus chapter 25, look at Exodus chapter 25. The fact that this is a cube is interesting. In Exodus chapter 25, after the law is given in the book of Exodus, God tells the people of Israel through Moses, 
that they're to build a tabernacle for him. And the very, you could say, holy of holies, the very center or the, the place that God is going to inhabit in the tabernacle, his kind of glory is promised to come down, and that's where he will tabernacle with the people. But look what it says in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8. Take an offering. He says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may what? Dwell among them. He says, in order to live among them, make this sanctuary for me. According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the instruments, thereof, even so shall you make it. And it goes on and starts giving details about this tabernacle. But God says, here's the key. Moses, don't you think this up. This is my plans. This is my, God says, I am giving the architectural directions on how to build this thing. Look what it says in chapter 25, verse 22. 25, verse 22. It says, here's what he's planning. When he makes this tabernacle, he says, and there I will meet with thee. I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all these things which I give thee in the commandments uh, unto the children of Israel. Look what it says in verse 30. And thou shalt set upon the table. Oh, I'm sorry. That is not right. That has nothing to do with this. Look at verse 33. Let me see if I got that one right. No, that has nothing to do with it. Look at verse 40. And look that thou make them after their pattern which showed thee in the mount. In other words, here are the directions for building this tabernacle, and Moses, follow them. It says at the end of the book of Exodus, he did, exactly. Now, it says that in this tabernacle, there's to be the main sanctuary, which is divided into two parts. And you can, by inference, you can figure out, it sounds like it's 45 feet long. 45 feet long and 15 feet tall. We're talking about something that can be taken apart and, and carried around in the wilderness, so it's not that huge. All right, 45 feet long, 15 feet tall. If you want to see something built to those exact dimensions, go to Tarpon Springs. If it's still open, they have built inside a stadium, I mean, inside a, a gym. Don't, don't worry about having to be, you know, nice weather when you go. But call and ask them. Call and ask them if you can come and tour their exact dimensions here, model and description of a tabernacle. It's quite interesting. But when you, when you get there, you finally get to what they call the Holy of Holies, and they allow you to go through what's called the veil into the Holy of Holies. Now, 30 feet for the holy place, that leaves 15 feet for the Holy of Holies. It's 15 feet tall, it's 15 feet long, it's 15 feet wide. What does that make the Holy of Holies? A cube. Again, those numbers aren't specifically given, and there might be inference, but here's something interesting. Go over to 1 Kings chapter 6. It's right before 2 Kings, if, you're, if you have a hard time finding it. Go to 1 Kings chapter 6. When it came time to build a permanent structure instead of a tented kind of portable structure, Solomon had that job. And in 1 Kings chapter 6, he builds his, you could say, tabernacle, but it's now a building called the temple. And it says in verse 2, the house of the Lord in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 2, and the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, the length thereof was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof 20 cubits, and the height thereof 
30 cubits. All right? When you start finding out the numbers here of what he built, you find out that his holy place was different. His holy place was 30 cubits by 30 cubits by 30 cubits. And that works out to a, being a perfect cube. All right, so both the tabernacle and the wilderness and Solomon's, which he appears to have just doubled the dimensions of whatever uh, the Lord told Moses, he doubled the dimensions. Solomon's temple, the holy place was a cube. The holy of holies was a cube. Now, it's interesting to me because when, if you go to Revelation chapter 21 again, now, Revelation chapter 21, we looked last week in verse 3, as he sees this new Jerusalem, we're in Revelation 21, verse 3. Look what God says about it. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, or what is said about this, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and be their God. Okay, what's the description of the new Jerusalem? What is it? It's the tabernacle. <laughs> It's the place God's going to dwell with people. Now, in the tabernacle in the wilderness, it was a cube where he's a kind of glory dwell. Pretty small cube, <laughs> contrarily speaking. But it was to be built after a pattern that God showed from heaven. And Solomon just took the dimensions and doubled them. That's eight times the volume, by the way. You double the dimensions of a cube and you get eight times the volume. It's like when you buy pizza. You ever go to... Okay, I'm sorry, I'm off, I'm off track here, but uh, pizza is one of my favorite things to talk about. You go to the Pizza Hut, and you see an 8-inch pizza for $10 and a 16-inch pizza for $20. And you think, oh, man, that's... Uh, do you know you're getting four, as, four times as much pizza? If you double the diameter of a pizza, you multiply, I mean, you multiply the area times four. So that's a good deal. You're doubling the price, and you get four times the pizza? Right? Okay. When it comes to a cube, when you double the dimensions, you get eight times the volume. I did a little figuring here, therefore, on the volume of this new Jerusalem. Are you ready? I multiply 1,500 times 1,500 times 1,500 miles. Thank you. Miles. It works out to be 3,375,000,000 cubic miles of space in there. Again, I'll just round that. 3.4 billion cubic miles. Hey, can you think of how big a cubic mile is? Mile on every side? Pretty big area, right? There are a lot of them. And so this is, this is amazing to me. God wants to dwell. I believe what comes down to earth, therefore, is what was already up in heaven that God said, here's the plans to Moses. This is where I'm going to dwell. That's exactly where he was. And now he's going to be on earth in this new Jerusalem. Yeah, a city that's a cube. Let's go next when we talk about the uh, foundations of the city and about how beautiful they are. And the gates are a mother of pearl. Class, this is not something that, again, is possible here on earth. I don't think there's that much of beryl and jasper and all this. And I think that what John's looking at, he's giving what looks like to him, those things. 
those particular jewels, that God would bestow such beauty upon a foundation. Now, when you think of Matthew and you think of John and Peter and Andrew, I don't think of beauty. I think of rough fishermen who God used in a great way and that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and indwelled by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit after Pentecost, became great tools in the hand of God. But God wants, the rem wants us to remember them as these beautiful jewels. And that's because that's what he sees. These rough, you know, I'm, I'm, they were considered uneducated. They knew how to read and write, definitely. But they were considered uneducated, uncouth. Nazareth, people from Nazareth or people from Galilee, they were looked down upon. And yet God says, I want you to remember them as these beautiful jewels. It's amazing what he can do with a person. And the gates made of pearl. You look at them, you say, I think a mother of pearl. It's beautiful. Guitars sometimes have mother of pearl inlaid around the sound hole, around the edges. It just makes, and the fretboard, and they makes it beautiful. Imagine the glory of these gates. And God says, I want you to remember Reuben. You know, when I read the book of Genesis, Reuben committed fornication with, in other words, he was rejected as being the one the Messiah would come through. Then it says, it talks about uh, Simeon and, and Levi, maybe a couple other tribes that were rejected. The first three were rejected as being the source of the Messiah because their behavior was horrible. You get to Judah, and Judah is the fourth of the tribes, and God tells that's where the scepter will come from. The tribe of Judah it did. Jesus is from Judah. All I'm trying to say is I don't think of great things when I think of the people the tribes are named after. And yet you will remember them for eternity by a beautiful mother of pearl. Gate. Interesting to think about what God can do. All right. Let's look at Revelation 21, 22 through 27. Revelation 21, 22 through 27. It says, verse 22, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. You know, this is the Lamb's New Jerusalem. The Lamb will, Jesus Christ, he will reign from New Jerusalem forever and ever. He is going to be the light of it, He's going to be the place that people can come and there's no veil. The gates are open. You can go anytime. It implies to me that amongst all these millions of square miles, I mean, just think about it. If there are the first floor a mile high in this city, I think I figured it out. If the first floor, uh, the area of one floor would be seven, oh, no, the area of one floor. I got pizza written down here. Let me see where the rest is. <laughs> no, it's not going to be that big. But think about that. One floor's area. From here to Quebec City, out west, and back down, and over here. That, that's a lot of square miles. But you have, if it's a mile before the next ceiling, you have 1,500 floors. Each one of that area. Okay, I, that sounds like plenty of room to a people who inhabit it. But it talks about people being outside the city and living on the new earth with no sea. 
There'll probably be water and lakes and waterfalls and rivers. I'm counting on it. I love all those things. I love just, I love creation, even though I'm looking at the ruins of it. But just think about that. It's, it's going to be huge, and you won't have to go to church. Not that is you have to go to church. I'm just saying it won't be necessary to go to a church to learn about God or all see, talk to him or, or any of those things that we think we have to do here because he is, the, the city is the temple. Again, it's just more of this, well, that's what he told Moses to build. That's the dimensions he gave. And here it is just a lot larger. That's where he's going to inhabit. Look at verse 23. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God to lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them that are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. This is something that, okay, wait, 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 wait. Kings of the earth during their eternal state? It could mean that at one time, at the beginning, all the kings of the earth give their glory to it. Pastor's going to talk about the temptation, the amount of temptation, and, and Jesus' temptation. Do you remember one of them was to take... Jesus, Satan took Jesus onto the top of a mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. You remember that? And he showed him in a moment of time all the kingdoms of the world, all their glory. Can you imagine what that would look like? Because right at that time, Egypt was still pretty glorious. Rome was pretty glorious. Greece and Athens, they were, they were you know, before they were ruins, they were glorious. China and all the riches of the world. You have to imagine the glitter that Satan showed Jesus right there. And he says, hey, if you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all these things because they're mine. They're mine. We don't recognize that oftentimes at all as Satan's. And he says, I can give it to whoever I want. And Jesus refused him. He says, you only worship the Lord your God. And we think that because he refused the glitter, because he refused the kingdom's glory and all this, that he'll never see him. Jesus turned it all down for you to go to the cross for you and me. That's a wonderful thought. But do you know, he simply knew something. They're already going to be his. That's what it says in, in, in Revelation chapter 21. The nations that are safe shall walk in, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Well, I don't think it's just a, a door in the New Jerusalem. You can't really make that better. But it's to be given to the Lamb. In other words, because he went to the cross, because his, his humiliation there, his exaltation at his ascension and his sitting at the right hand, all those things are given to him anyway. That's a good question. Because kings and nations, I didn't picture, I picture it in a millennium. And the only thing I can think of, Bill, is that maybe what's happening here is at the beginning of the eternal state, all those kingdoms, all those, all the glories and everything of this earthly kingdoms are at one time, one time presented in the new Jerusalem. Not that there will be continued kingdoms and kings. My personal opinion but again, this morning is about speculation. And I tried not to do a lot of that during this study of the book of Revelation. But uh, so I, I'll warn you ahead of time, that's what I'm doing. But it could be that there are kingdoms and kings during the eternal state. It says that we will serve him. We're going to see that next week. We will serve him. All this idea of harping on a harp and staying in a cloud and singing songs. 
That is not biblical. Just like Adam and Eve. Do you know they had jobs? Take care of the garden. Take care of the trees. We will too. I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that, that, that's, that's just an amazing thought, okay? Could be just a one-time gift, though. And look what it says in verse 25. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there is no night there. When would they shut the city gates? When would they shut? At night. Why are these never shut? There's never a night there. Okay, so I get tired reading that verse. Because I'm thinking again of this world, these conditions. And if there were no night, I would last about two days. And believe me, when I don't sleep, I get cranky. It's like not eating, not sleeping. I'm a different person. And this is, this is amazing because here, no night. You'll never lay your head down to rest and take a you know, dreamy sleep. You never sleep. I, I, I think of making tired, me tired here, but also if I use my imagination, it must be that I don't need to. This is, this is quite amazing. And then uh, in verse 26, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Again, it could be a one-time thing. Verse 27, this is the verse that Eddie Williamson made sure just about every night he gave the gospel, he turned to Revelation 21, 27. I have learned this since, the, since I was grass-high to a knee-hopper as far as my Christian faith goes. I have learned that this verse talked about the eternal state. And Eddie always made, I appreciate that man so much. What a faithful youth director he was for me. Every Thursday night, take out that wallet, give the gospel. And when I understood the gospel finally, and I sat there the next Thursday night, and the next Thursday night, and the next Thursday night, he, he was still doing it. And I actually got to the point and said, okay, here he comes with the wallet again. Here it is again. I've heard this so many times. I know I'm going to heaven. But Eddie would always say, it's not for you. It's for the people here that don't know it yet. And you better watch me. You better pay attention because they're looking at you to see what you're looking at. And if you aren't paying attention, they're going to think it's not important. Boy, he was tough. Eddie could, he could chew you out really well. But, you know, I needed it. But every night he gave the gospel. And one of the things he shares, Revelation 21, 27, they're showing no wise, he would say. That means no way, no way shall enter into it. And we're talking about this new Jerusalem. We have sanitation today. We have things today in our cities that, that uh, the old-time way they used to do it and the disease that was spread and all the death that was spread, we've done a lot to limit that kind of thing. People used to open their windows and throw these chamber pots, they called them. You can imagine what was in them. Out the window, into the street. Right? You try doing that now. Well, the, the fact is that, that in this new Jerusalem, sanitation, spiritual sanitation is in effect. And here's what it says. They're showing no wise enter, enter into it. Anything that defileth. Yeah, okay. I used to hear that verse at first and think, well, I'm not really a defiler. <laughs> I don't think I'm soft. You know, I, 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 I'm not that way. I mean, I can think of my brother, you know, and that, that kind of stuff, but not me. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination. Now, I don't think I do many of those. I mean, that would be really bad stuff. At that time, Charlie 
you know, or what's his name, Charles Manson, you know, the murderers, the, the things that were in the news, the spectacular criminals. I'm not like that. And Eddie would go on. He says, defiling the work of the abomination or what? Maketh a lie. And Eddie would stop there and he says, you know what? You may not think you're a defiler or an abominator, but have you ever lied? It doesn't say make a bunch of lies. It says a lie. And he would go on and he would, he would really burst my balloon. Because I was raised a religious boy thinking I was going to get to heaven, how good I was. And he says, if you've told one lie, you're disqualified. You can't enter. And, of course, the, the resulting question in my mind would be, then who is going to go to heaven? How can anybody be there? Because everybody here has told a lie. Raise your hand if you haven't, because that will be the next one. <laughs> All right, so you've got to be perfect to live in this perfect place. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why his wounds will be there. So we all recognize that. They which are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Eddie would say, you know, you want to have your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Believe in Jesus as your Savior. Folks, we're going to finish Revelation next week. And I've enjoyed and appreciate you being here and your study of it. We're going to review some of the things we learned, but also talk a little more about what's inside this wonderful city. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this opportunity again to look at the eternal state. Lord, we are we're not looking forward to it because what's here, Lord, is nothing like that. And we know we have tears and sorrow and dying and crying and defeat. And thank you, Lord, for these promises in Scripture, not because we will earn it, but because of Jesus. And we ask your blessing on each of us in Jesus' name. Amen.